Welcome to Paint Ed. PCA provides painting contractors with connections they need to grow their business. To find out more and to become a member, visit PCAPainted.org. Find more great content like this on PCA Overdrive. A subscription to the platform is included with membership. For all of you non-members out there, sign up for a free trial. PCA Overdrive is available on the App Store and Google Play. This episode is brought to you by 3M, PPG, and Breakthrough Academy. Welcome to the Painter Marketing Mastermind Podcast, a show created to help painting company owners build a thriving painting business that does well over $1 million in annual revenue. I'm your host, Brandon Pierpont, founder of Painter Marketing Pros and creator of the popular PCA educational series, Learn, Do, Grow, Marketing for Painters. In each episode, I'll be sharing proven tips, strategies, and processes from leading experts in the industry on how they found success in their painting business. We will be interviewing owners of the most successful painting companies in North America and learning from their experiences. In this episode of the Painting Industry Partner Series, titled Systems Equals Success, we are hosting Chris Moore. Chris is the founder of Elite Business Advisors, a painting business consulting company that helps painting companies with their financials, marketing, and day-to-day operations. Essentially, Chris works with painting contractors one-on-one and through his team to teach them to treat their painting business as a business, not as a job, to allow them to achieve the scale and success that many owners aspire to. Chris will be discussing current trends he sees in the painting industry, as well as how painting company owners can best prepare for an economic downturn. He will also be providing key advice that he has learned from working with some of the most successful painting companies across the country. Finally, Chris will be running us through exactly what Elite Business Advisors does and how to know whether your painting company may benefit from his services. If you want to ask Chris questions related to this podcast or about Elite Business Advisors in general, you can do so in our exclusive Painter Marketing Mastermind Podcast Forum on Facebook. Just search for Painter Marketing Mastermind Podcast Forum on Facebook and request to join the group. Or type in the URL, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Painter Marketing Mastermind. Again, that URL is facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Painter Marketing Mastermind. There you can ask Chris questions directly by tagging him with your question. Chris. Thanks for coming on the show, man, and running this Painting Industry Partner episode with us. Thanks for having me, Brandon. It's great to be here, man. Absolutely, Chris. We are uh, offline. We are good friends. We collaborate quite yep. frequently. Um, so this is, our, this is a, an exceptionally fun one for me. Yeah, no, I, I agree, man. And I know uh, you're going to be coming on the Elite Business Advice one here soon, too. So I'm glad we can swap opportunities here. So Yeah, uh, absolutely. Little little value add back and forth. Yes. Absolutely. I know what you do for your clients is great. And it's, it's, you guys pick up the ball where we stop the ball on the marketing side. So I love it. That's what I love the, the collaboration and the partnership we got. Yeah. It's a, it's super synergistic for, yep. for clients. So um, awesome, man. Well, I guess kind of open up, tell us a little bit about, about you, kind of how you got started in the industry, elite business advisors, et cetera. Yeah. Yeah. I'll give uh, I'll give the, the 12 year spiel in like, you know, hopefully 60 seconds here. Uh, but uh, no, so I started out uh, actually, in the painting industry, when I was in college, uh, I did an internship with a company called Student Painters, very similar to College Works, College Pro, a lot of the other college painting models out there. Um, and, you know, fell in love with entrepreneurship and business. I was an entrepreneurship major in college, uh, which I want to clarify right now to everybody listening to this. What I learned in college, I use like maybe like a half a percent of that nowadays. People are always like, man, I wish I went to college like you did. And I'm like, shut up. It, it does, does not it, matter. It doesn't, doesn't matter. Like it's yeah. mostly been real world and hands-on teaching, but that internship, yeah. man, it taught me so much. Um, I owe so much to that company and my mentor, Charlie LaCary, uh, back in the day and just, you know, understanding business, right? Like you, you can't get much more hands-on with an internship than when you're actually out running a painting company, you know? Yeah. Um, and so I actually, I, I worked with student painters. I stayed with them for the additional two years after that while I was in college. Um, graduated, took on a full-time job with them. I was the general manager of Southern Illinois, St. Louis, um, all the way out to Kansas, all the way over to Evansville, Indiana, uh, and kind of oversaw that whole region, ran our internship program here locally, you know, recruiting college students, training them, mentoring them, um, and all that stuff. And so I spent seven years with student painters, um, had a great experience, man, had so many cool relationships, got to see so many great things with, you know, students that came into the program, right? We would take 18-year-old college students and teach them 
you know, how to run a hundred thousand dollar business in the summertime. Right. So like, that's, what's that's crazy. Awesome. If you think about that, it's it literally over the three months of their summer break, they would produce a hundred thousand dollars or more in paint jobs, um, yeah. you know, in, in, in three months. And so it's cool seeing a lot of kids that maybe never had a job in high school. They were a two or three sport athlete, right. Just good students. that just came into our program, man, and just like tore it up. Right. So, um, so I've been doing that for about seven years. A lot of us kind of started getting burned out a little bit. Um, you know, for all the great kids that we got to coach and mentor, there was like five fires that we always had to put out, right? As you can imagine, um, 18-year-olds painting houses. Um, and so, you know, it was kind of time to move. Yeah, exactly, right? Like, I'm actually yeah. surprised the company, it, it survived. And all of yeah. them have, right? For the most part. So, um, but no, it, so it was just kind of time to move on. And, and I knew what I wanted to do again with the, the coaching and the mentoring. I coached high school hockey for my local high school where I went to. Um, and so I always had a passion for like coaching and mentoring and helping people like reach their potential. Right. And I knew what I'm doing now is what I was, what I wanted to do. But at age, I guess, 25, 26, um, I wasn't ready to make that leap yet. Right. Like it was kind of a, a quick decision. We were all like, Hey, before we start recruiting too much this year, like, I think it's time for us to like call it quits. Uh, and so I'll never forget, like, you know, my wife gets home from work. We've been married for, I think like a year, right around a year or so. And she gets home from work and I was like, Hey, uh, we, we need to talk. And she was like, yeah, what's up? And I was like, um, I don't have a job anymore. Like we all just kind of quit. And she was like, Oh, you know, and we had been talking about it. So it wasn't totally out of left field, but she's like, no. well, what are you going to do? And I'm like, well, Christina, I was like, I, I know how to run a painting business, right? Like I, I always ran like a small business every year in addition to mentoring all the college students and stuff. So I was like, I'm just going to go do that for now. Right. So I started elite painting, ran that for four years uh, and started elite business advisors in March of 2018 uh, and ran that alongside my painting company for two years as I could start building this. Right. Because I knew that I knew how to coach and mentor people. Right. But I didn't know how to systematize it. I didn't know how to structure it. I didn't know how to monetize it. Right. There was so much I had to learn. Uh, and so I'm super glad that I had that two year gap, even though life was freaking nuts trying to run two businesses at one time. Um, so yeah. So anyways, long story short, beginning of 2020 made the full-time switch to elite business advisors. Um, and I pick up a paintbrush maybe twice a year at this point for friends or family to, to do a fun little project. And, um, that that's about my involvement on the paint side of it as much as the business side. So yeah, I said I 60 that, seconds. That was probably like 180 to, you know, 300 seconds, but um, that's all right. it kind of helps set the tone. It helps people want to get a good understanding. It definitely background. does. Right. Yeah, there's no no time limit on that intro. So you, I mean, dang, man. So that's what, over a decade now that you've been yeah. basically doing systems? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, and that was the cool thing, right? Is, I mean, you know, being a 19-year-old college student, it's like, you know, we I got ingrained in systems right away, you know? Yeah. And understanding, like, you know, there's systems in place for a reason. Um, and I think especially when you look at, like, a company like Student Painters, right? I mean, every year we would have some students like myself that would stay with us and kind of grow in the company. But I mean, every year you're looking for a fresh, I mean, here in Missouri, we'd look for a fresh 50 to 60 college students to go run a business, right? So you have to have the systems in place to, to coach them and train them and mentor them um, in order to go run a successful business, right? If every year we were trying to train people from scratch, how to do a, an estimate on a paint job that had no clue how to paint, <laughs> had no clue about anything. And we didn't have a system in place for that the company would have been out of business way before I even got into it. Right. So, yeah. um, so really seeing the systems in that, and, and obviously now we've kind of taken a lot of that and kind of, you know, how can we help our clients through that by putting the right systems in place for their business? Yeah. So when you say you, you brought in 50 to 60 college students each summer and taught yeah. them how to run a painting business, what, what was their role? What were they doing exactly? Yeah. So they were, they were called branch managers. Um, and honestly, their, their role was to do everything a, a painting business owner does. Right. So we, we had an office that took care of all the legal stuff, running payroll, you know, depositing the checks, like that type of stuff. They would put the profit and loss statement together for each branch manager. Um, so we had an office that was kind of a central hub that would be kind of a call center, you know, would provide some, some administrative help, I guess. Uh, but when it came down to the college students, I mean, they would go out, they would, you know, market their business, right? They had flyers, they had business cards, they would go out and market their business. They would sell the paint jobs, do the estimates, um, schedule everything for the summertime. They were recruiting their employees, their painters. Um, they were, you know, overseeing production of the projects, making sure they were financially, you know, viable. Um, so, I mean, it was everything a business owner does outside of some of the like legal administrative stuff that obviously we didn't want their hands to be in, but 
Um, yeah, man, it was, it was everything. It was everything start to finish. Just like any painting contract to listen to this is going out doing for their business. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're kind of opening fresh wounds for some people and kind of, yeah. you know, rub, yeah. not rubbing salt in, but de- yeah. people can definitely understand that pain because you just oh, listed three or four different, totally different positions really in an established yeah. company that, that the small yeah. owner is doing all of them. Yep, exactly. Exactly. And that's what most of our, most of our branch managers, you know, would run a crew of about three to four people. Uh, but again, the ones that were doing a hundred thousand plus, um, I mean, they had eight to 10 painters, right? Um, you know, one of our, one of my good friends still this day, Joe Shewitt, he was one of our top guys here in Missouri over those few years. Um, I think they did, a, I think he did about 110,000 his second year with us. And he had eight painters. He had two crews of four just going nonstop, um, you know? And so, and I know some guys had 15 employees, right? So it was a cool internship because you got to, you know, what you got out of it was what you put into it, right? Um, if you wanted yeah. to go and say, hey, I want to make, you know, 50 grand this summer, which happened. Like some college students would do 200 That's grand insane. in work and make 40 to 50 grand. I mean, we had the internship set up to where, I mean, it was like, it was a profit. Like they got the profit on their yeah. jobs after, you know, the administrative costs and everything. Like it was crazy, man. It was crazy to see. I don't know what the record's currently at. It was around 180,000. 180 to 200,000, I think the last year I was with them was where the record stood, but I think it's in the low 200s now at this point. So, yeah. So, I, I just, because this sounds kind of crazy to me. So, I, I want to yeah. make sure you understand because obviously, yeah. you know, we work with companies across the country. I'm talking to painting company owners constantly. Yeah. And you're telling me that, that you have people come in, work for three months, so just a summer, and they are, they're basically doing 100 grand. Yeah. Which, which, if you run rate that out, so if you multiply it by four, 400 grand. That's 400 grand for just, just brand new, brand yeah. new. Right. So they're, yeah. they're literally on the first three months, which technically, yeah, it's summer fine, but technically yeah. really would be your slowest because you don't really have any traction whatsoever. They're able yeah. to ramp up to almost half a million dollar company immediately. Yep. Yep. Exactly. And so, and just to clarify too, like we would always start marketing in about February to March. So they would have like a three month runway during the springtime while they were still, but I mean, again, they're in college, right? Some yeah. kids, are you know only going home on the weekends right like they might be at u of i you know university of illinois for school and they might be living here in st louis in the summertime so they'd be driving back home every weekend to start building their business you know some students lived in the territory but i mean they're still in college full-time students in the springtime but so we would start doing the marketing and sales portion we didn't start actually any of the production until summertime Uh, but still i mean the fact that they were able to do that like you said literally from scratch um, and again, not every student did $100,000, right? There was plenty that would do twenty or 30000 in a year, still get a great experience out of it, still make, you know, some decent amount of money um, and stuff. So it wasn't like every student that came in did 100000 sure. right? Um, there was definitely the outliers, the 80-20 rule. Uh, but yeah, you're exactly right. Literally from nothing, just go out and, and do this. Yeah. So I want to do a little plug. Marketing is a yeah. leading indicator of success. Anyone who's listening yep. is a leading indicator yes. of success. They didn't start marketing the day they needed the jobs. They started marketing yep. beforehand, right? That's how yep. marketing works. Exactly. Um, so I want I want to also comment on that. You know, I, I think it's pretty clear, but just to make it super crystal clear, yeah. the way that you find that level of success, the way that someone can come in, whether an outlier or not, or the way that pretty much yep. everyone can do at least reasonably well, is you have systems. They don't come in and just flounder, yep. which is what a lot of painting company owners are struggling with, this kind of flounder. Yep. And so I want to... Yep. I want to eventually we are going to dive into your program. Right? Yeah, no, that's what fine. What you fine. offer, but I'm going to put you on the back burner, Chris, because we're going to. That's fine. I'm good at that. You're in the vendor series. You know, you're in the industry partner series. So people know, yeah. people know that they're going to learn about what you do. Um, yeah. But I want to focus on, on the industry and your knowledge first. For sure. So no, absolutely. Work, that's what I'm here for. hundred percent. So you working with all of these, you know, these college students and just being, being in this systems and processes for painting uh, the yeah. painting industry for over a decade. What are some of two part question? Number one, yeah. what are what are some of the most important systems and processes that you that you see right to put yeah. in place first? And number two, yeah. what are some of the biggest mistakes that you constantly see? Yeah, ooh, that's good, man. That's good. All right, so I'm going to go off on number one, and you're probably going to have to remind me what the second part of this was. So write write it down if you haven't. Uh, Got it. So number one, the systems that you need in place, man. So the one area we always focus on with our clients, um, even you know now to this day, right? We don't just work with college students anymore. Uh, but you know, from back then and even today is you got to be financially stable, right? Nothing matters if you're running at a loss. Um, so having the job costing, having the financial systems in place, 
Um, if anybody's listened to our podcast or seen us at PCAX or anything, you know that you already know the two things I'm going to tell you. You need to put money aside for taxes to pay your taxes, right? Five to 10% of your revenue needs to go in a separate account. Uh, don't touch it unless you're making estimated tax payments or you're, you're, in, you're in tax bill. Uh, and then the other one with that is deposits, right? Every time you get a deposit for a job, put it aside in an account until that job starts. Like, so those are just like the three basic financial systems we want people to have in place is job costing out your project so you get that real-time data, understanding what your monthly cash flow is, uh, and then having the tax and the deposit, you know, systems. Like, so financial systems is number one, like, because again, like I said, if you, if you're struggling, if you're five years behind on your tax bill to the IRS, like it's going to be really hard for you to get ahead. Um, and I hope I didn't just put salt in a couple more wounds there in that, but it's true, right? Like you, you got to get all those things cleaned up and taken care of. Um, because again, if, if you grow your business to a million dollars, but it's un, it's not profitable, it's just going to crumble that much harder, right? That's what we always tell people. That's why we start with the financials because it's the fundamental foundational principle. Um, the other one I think is is a big one is, is your estimating system right? Like I mentioned earlier with student painters, we couldn't teach 18-year-old college students that have never even held a paintbrush how to go do an estimate on a paint job without a system in place. And I think it's still true to this day, right? I think that's the number one place where a lot of business owners, a lot of painting contractors doubt themselves. They come up with a price and then I'll see them knock like $400 off because they just feel like it's too high. And I'm like, why? You know, if you have concrete data and you have a number system in place, to say, hey, a bedroom, we budget this many hours for two coats on the walls, this many hours for the ceiling, whatever. The price is the price then, right? It's like you shouldn't be playing this guessing game. Well, I feel like that's too high or, you know, whatever. So um, so estimating system, you know, I think it's a great idea. Uh, I would say the other two big pieces off the top of my head here is um, to have a recruiting system in place, right? Uh, labor is such a, a, a hot topic still to this day in the industry. It's going to be for a while. Let's just get used to that. Um, it is, you know, having a good system in place, the companies that I see, they don't complain about recruiting because they don't have massive issues with recruiting or the ones that have a system in place, right? They, they have a system to market for employees. I'm going to let that sink in for a second. People actually market for employees, right? It, recruiting is not a, a reactive game. It's a proactive game. So they have a good, you know, marketing system for uh, generating interest. They have a good interview process. They have a good system in place. Uh, to filter through the candidates and then hire the right people. Uh, and then on the flip side of that, they have a, the right system in place to onboard that person and train them, right? A lot of people bring in employees that maybe don't have painting experience. So they have the system in place to be able to train them from no painting skill to being a crew leader, production manager, estimator down the road um, and having that. And then the, the last one I would say, and you're going to love this one, I saved it for last for a reason, a marketing system, right? Having a freaking marketing system, having a plan, having systems in place, right? Having, you know, automated things to get Google reviews, like all the things that go into marketing, right? Social media postings, blog postings, anything and everything you can think of, having that system in place, you know, a system to, so people understand this, right? A system is just something you have in place to make your business run automatically like clockwork. Again, every time you deposit a check, you just transfer 10% over to this other account. Some banks, you can automate it. Sometimes you still have to manually do it. But the system is every time this happens, this happens, right? Every time X happens, you do Y. And so so I don't want people to get like crazy about it. Like, oh, what's a marketing system? No, it's just a system is making sure that you're executing on the game plan that you know you need to do even in times of doubt. Yeah. Yeah. The way I, way I kind of explain it to people is a system is if you have repeatable tasks, if things need to happen, then you shouldn't be winging it. You shouldn't be right. redoing it. If there's a yeah. software that, that you can use, even if you can set up systems, I mean, something in like Google Sheets, right? Or Excel, yeah. just something you can hire an admin person to run through it. Whatever yeah. is a repeatable task, go ahead and, and make it easily repeatable. Don't keep doing it yourself. Yep. Yep. I mean, look into things like uh, Zapier or Zapier. I never know how to say that one. But, you know, I mean, just things that you can automate processes too. You know, there's a lot of good tools out there. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, a lot of people were like the, the word system, I think is almost scary to some people. Yeah. Um, and it's really not, it just, I mean, there's, I have a system down every night before I go to bed, I make sure the coffee pot's got water in it. Everything's ready to go. Dog yeah. goes outside. Like that's a system to me, right? Some people were like, wow, Chris, you're crazy. It's like, no, I just have a system that I know I do this and then I do this and I do this and then we go to bed. So I never have to worry about, did that get done? Right. Yeah. So it just, it's those routine different things too. And in personal life, business and everything else. Yep. Don't, don't recreate the wheel 
with every exactly. task every day. Yep. hundred percent. hundred percent. All right. So you, <clears throat> this is a recap. So your most important systems, number one, you have financial systems, right? Yep. So putting that in place, making sure your job costing, so you're actually profitable, making sure yes. that you have money set aside five to 10% for your taxes, and then making sure you are, what was the last part? Deposit. You got, you, you're putting, putting, putting aside your deposit when you receive a deposit. Yep. Right. Exactly. Number two is your your estimating system. Don't go yep. by feeling, you know, kind of ties in with your job costing. The price is the price. Yep. Have a system. Exactly. There's no feel about it. Right. It's right. data. Um, number three is a recruiting system. So be yep. actively recruit. Recruiting, this has been a theme over and over from a lot of guests, is have a pipeline yep. of yes. potential employees or subcontractors. Right. Have that pipeline. Yep. Um, and then you said, I also have a system to onboard them. Right. So yep. have a pipeline to, to hire them and a system to right. onboard them. And that way you're not left scrambling because yeah. what's going to happen is you're number one, going to hire the wrong person because you need someone yeah. immediately. Again, marketing, whether it's for, yeah. for projects or for employees is a leading indicator of success. When you're marketing right. already, you can choose the right person. And then number two, if you don't onboard them correctly, even if you have the right person, you're setting them up for failure. You're not doing Absolutely. And that's, I think one of the biggest things I see is most people, they, they have a recruiting system mm-hmm. to hire the right people, but then they have no process to train them. Right. So it doesn't matter how good an employee is. They're only going to be as good as the expectation you set with them moving forward. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, 100%. That's why it's a two parts. Exactly. There are two, it's yeah. a two part system, in my opinion. Yep. And I mean, I, I kind of like to use the example of, of McDonald's. Jason Phillips uses the easy oven yeah. example. Yeah. You know, a five year old can make something. I mean, it's, it's, if you can, if your systems are that good, you can generally plug people in. Yeah. Yep. Um, and then four is a marketing system. So my favorite, yeah. but the yes. same as a, as a marketing system for employees, you know, you need to have a long-term marketing system. We work with long, our paint partners on a long-term uh, brand equity basis. So the leads are coming to them. So they're not in this rat race that everyone, yes. you know, generally everyone else is in the painting yep. space. Okay. Nope, you nailed it. So that's super helpful, Chris. I appreciate that. Now moving on to, to the second part of the question, yes. which is, is pretty closely related to that first one. Those are the... Yeah the top systems that you prioritize, what are the biggest mistakes that you've seen repeatedly in the industry? Yeah. Um, so it's funny is as we just talked about this, I'll, I'll kind of echo some of the things we just went through. Um, you know, one is people don't job cost, right? Yeah. Um, you know, I have people reach out and they go, they go, Hey, I've been listening to your podcast for a year. I know I need to be doing this and I'm still not doing it. I'm like, Hey, that's fine. Right. Like the, the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. The second best time yeah. is today. Right. Yeah, do it now. So, you know, so I'm like, it's okay. Uh, but just, man, it, I love, we, we did an episode with Nick Slotic earlier this year. Um, and, and Nick said, does, this he so job, does he job cost? Does he ever talk about anything like that? Yeah, I, I think he does when he feels like it. You it's know? like a new uh, thing for him, though, I think. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay. All right, cool. um, He's all feeling. You know, not data yeah, plus exactly. feelings. It's all, all feelings. feelings. All, all feelings. Right, cool. Yeah. Um, I love that. Uh, but no, I mean, he said, he goes, job costing leads you down a path of 15 more, more questions for your business. And I love that because it's so true, right? You're going to job cost and it, it, something's going to be off, right? When you know what you're looking for, when you know that your margin should be, you know, 40% for labor, including employer taxes, no more than 45%. When you know your material margin should be 8 to 12%, no more than 15 Like you can start to identify the problems when you look at these things, right? Um, when you know your revenue per hour should be, you know, 55 to 65 or north, right? Depending on your business and some stuff. Like when you know what you're looking for, Job costing starts, you start asking yourself questions, right? What happened, right? The, the first one is, was this a production issue or was this an estimating issue, mm-hmm. right? Because you're going to look at this and you're going to say, and you're not just looking at the numbers, you're looking at the hours, right? So, you know, estimating and say, hey, we think this job's going to take us 80 hours. And then the production hours come back in at 100, right? So was that a production issue or did you not estimate it properly? Did you run into like some random unforeseen thing that was out of your control that obviously happens out there in the world? Okay, then that's just an outlier. You move on from it. If it's like, man, no, that was an easy project. They didn't run into any big issues. Wow. Okay, well, that's definitely a production issue, right? So you start analyzing these things and asking yourself. And, and so, you know, a lot of people come to me, they're like, hey, I really need to create a good estimating system, right? The other thing we talked about. And I'm like, okay, great. Do you job costs? And they're like, no. And I'm like, okay, well, we got to start there to yeah. understand where your estimating is at, right? And so I, I think that's a big one is just the job costing and it ties into so much of your business. Um, you know, so I think that's one. Uh, another one of the financial topic I, I mentioned earlier about taxes and deposits. I think those are two things that are huge for people is just being proactive 
Uh, you know, I see a lot of people, unfortunately, spend the deposits just in with the cash flow of the business to keep going. And it becomes a vicious cycle, right? Because really what it's saying is your cash flow isn't good. So you're masking the problem by taking deposits for future jobs and just shoving into there to solve it, right? Yeah. And at some point, if you ever shut your company down, the last 10 jobs you collect, you're only collecting 50%. You don't have the extra coming in and like you're really kind of in a tight spot. So it takes time. Um, you know, usually most clients, depending on the size of their company, within a year, they can get to a spot where they have all their deposits set aside for future projects. Um, they can kind of get caught up, you know, if they can be smart about things. So a year sometimes it takes, but again, start the process today on that slowly, but surely what you can afford. Um, I, I think the other one, you know, that I'll piggyback on that I see a lot of, which ties into the cash flow thing I just mentioned is not understanding like the monthly cash flow of the business. Right. And I'm not talking about the QuickBooks report that you can pull um, if you use QuickBooks or anything like that. I'm talking like, OK, how much did you guys produce work wise? Right. What was your production numbers? You know, your job cost it out and then taking out your overhead, you know, for your business. Right. All your monthly expenses. It's not tied to labor materials. Um, how much money did you take out of the business as an owner? Right. I see a lot of people sometimes will overpay themselves because they don't job cost. They don't know how much money they're making and they just take money out. And all of a sudden they can't figure out where the money's going. Right. Um, so I, I, you know, that's one thing we try to go through with our clients is understanding like, what is that monthly cash flow number of the business? Um, and is it growing over time, right? Is it consistent yes. over time? Um, and just understanding that because again, when you factor in the overhead, you factor in the, the, the meals at Panera, the coffee at Starbucks, all the little things, your insurance, your workers copy, everything else, how much money did your company make that month? Right. Um, so I think those are like some of the biggest financial mistakes. Um, and then, like I said, really on the recruiting side, you know, just the, the recruiting and having a training system, um, you know, especially if you're looking for new painters, I think that's a, a big stumbling block, um, that I see a lot of people have, uh, not having SOPs. I think that ties into it, right. Standard operating procedures, uh, which is a system that, that, you know, we can talk about on the production side of things. When you have the SOPs, it makes the training and the onboarding easier right so i always tell people start number one with the sops get your sops down and then build a training program around those sops um to really set people up for success yeah i think one of the things one of the thing and i want to dive into this sops in a second but one yeah. of the things you said that was really interesting was if you have a job that runs over budget right and you didn't get the profit margin yeah. you wanted out of it i think it's so easy to just immediately blame production Right. And they, always, they, they always. Didn't, you know, they didn't do it right. And yeah. I think this, what, what, how you approach this, right? Like, okay, was it an estimating thing or was it because it very well may have been a production fault? Number one, if, if you're kind of just starting this process, then, then you're going to have to kind of look at the project compared to past projects. Um, and, and what does that look like? If you're seeing this as a common theme, then you have a bit, fundamental business issue here, either on the right. estimating or the production side. And then number yeah. two, this approach that you're taking, this really analytical, approach that doesn't just assume things, then th that needs to be applied to everything in your business. If you hire someone and and whether it's for an estimated role, project manager role, administrative assistant, whatever, whatever that person is, if you a painter, if you hire them and, and you feel like they are not performing, is it because of who they are? Because they're just not the right, right person? Or is it because of who your business is? Because you didn't create yeah. an opportunity. If that's a theme, are you just bad at finding good people? Or maybe you don't actually have an onboarding system. So looking at yeah. everything, analyzing yeah. everything don't just don't just immediately assume you know the answer yep i uh i gotta share this story with you uh, so we, we've got a client here and he he made a comment one time and and i can be he's a very direct person right like i i, I know with our clients who we have to what? like you know sugarcoat yeah and the ones that just need to like hear it right and and he called me and he's like man i i can't figure out why my employees like don't take their job seriously and I was like, I kind of for a second, I kind of prayed. I'm like, okay, how should I answer this, right? And I was like, here's the reason. I said, it's because you don't take your own business seriously. And I won't say his name because I don't want to call him out on here. Uh, but I, I said, it's because you don't take your own business seriously. Uh, and he hung up on me. And then he called me back 30 minutes later. And he's like, you're right, man. I needed to hear that. And it was exactly that, right? He didn't have the recruiting system. He didn't have an expectation. He didn't have a, a training program. His training program was, hey, show up on Monday and kind of work alongside me and I'll just show you stuff, right? That was the training program. And he couldn't figure out why people weren't taking it seriously. He didn't set goals with them. 
Um, and so we work through a lot of that stuff. Right. And, and so, you know, sometimes you got to hear those hard things, right. I, I, I'm delicate with when we coach people, I won't be direct with everybody unless I know you need it. Um, but it's, it's one of those things, you know, there, if you don't take your business seriously, if, if you don't set the expectations, right. I always say, think back to every job you had. If you, if they set good expectations with you, you probably performed much better at that job than if they were just like, Hey, um, I was related. I worked at Red Robin when I was in college before I started with student painters as a server. They told us every single thing. Hey, within two minutes of the guest sitting down, you should greet them and get their drinks, right? Within 60 seconds of the last guest taking the first bite of their meal, you should go check in on. Like they told us every single thing to a T. So it was really easy for me to just know, hey, this is what I need to go do, yeah. right? If they were just like, hey, go serve tables. I probably would have never made any money because I would have been a terrible server <laughs> and got terrible tips, right? So I think it's the same thing with the painting industry. You know, I'm like, set the expectations with people. Let them know that, hey, it's okay if you're, you know, taking six hours to paint a bedroom right now, but I want you to get that down to four hours within 60 to 90 days. Just set the expectation with them, right? So they have something to shoot for and the good employees will gravitate towards that. The bad ones will eventually weed themselves out because they never progress. Um, but I think, yeah, just having that expectation and, and that process in place with people um, I, I see a lot of people get tripped up on that, right? It's, Hey, great. You can fog a mirror, show up on the job site Monday. Um, and Billy over there is going to teach you how to paint, right? Well, Billy's probably not a good painter. I'm, you have know, a painter named Billy. I'm not calling him out, but you know, random person may not be the way you want them to understand how to paint, right? How you want to do a job site. It's kind of the telephone game. If the seventh painter down the line is teaching the new guy how to paint, it's probably very much off from your process if you don't have a system in place. And if, just because Billy can paint doesn't mean he can teach how to paint very well. Bingo. Bingo. Right person. So <clears throat> I want to call out one quick thing there. You, yeah, which I think is important, right? You, you, that was a hard decision that you made in that story that you just shared yeah. where you were, yeah. you know, you're not a mean guy. If you were a mean guy, no. we wouldn't be friends. But exactly. you, you said something pretty direct, pretty blunt and got hung up on yeah. by one yep. of your clients. You could have lost that client, right? And, oh, and because you, yeah. you were too mean, but you, yeah. you realized how he, um, you know, his personality and, and kind of what resonates yeah. with him. And you decided to take that risk to help him. Yeah. Right? And, and, yeah. you know, 30 minutes, you didn't know whether you still had him as a client. So I think <laughs> yeah. that speaks volumes to, to kind of how you operate and yeah. the fact, that, the fact that. that you're not, not like that necessarily with everyone, but you're willing to do what it takes yeah. to help your clients succeed. So I think that that's Absolutely. a very really important point. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. Man. And, and, you know, whenever I started this company, it's, you know, one of my big kind of core values was, you know, we're always going to do what's in the best interest of the clients, right? Yep. Whether they like it or not, whether we have to, you know, be direct with them. I don't love being direct, right? Like, I don't love having to be that because it can come off being a jerk at times. And thankfully, you know, we try to build I mean, a relationship. Told, before we them. started recording, you told me I'm an idiot. But I, exactly. I was I like, hey, I need to stop being such an idiot. I mean, it helped. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> See, exactly. I'm glad this works out. So. Fixed it. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. But no, it is true. I mean, it, you know, again, those aren't the fun conversations to have, but you know, the clients that really just need to hear some of those things. Right. Yeah. And, you know, even on our podcast, I'll say things and I'm like, I probably just stepped on somebody's toes, but like, if you're offended, it's probably because yeah. you needed to hear it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like I, I'm, I'm not trying to be a jerk about it. I'm just here to help you. Right. Like I, yeah. again, that's my goal. I want to see everybody reach their full potential. That's why I told you. I loved coaching high school hockey. I loved what I did with student painters. Like I, I see so many people in this client and for example, and he has so much potential if we can get him off the job site and continue treating his business more like a business, right? Yeah. Like he's such a craft person. He's so good at fine finishes. He's got so many like passions and ambitions when it comes to the quality of the product they do. It's just, we're trying to work through him on the business side of it, right? And so it's, yeah, when you see people with potential, man, you want to see them succeed. You almost take it personally if they don't. Yeah. Um, I think that's one of the most frustrating things. Sometimes I want it, I want their success more for them than they do, right? Because it's and your business. No if they're not exactly. succeeding, you're not succeeding. Right, exactly. And, and I'm not even talking from a financial component. I just, I see you and I see what you're capable of and I just yeah. want you to live up to it, right? Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's it's a tough thing to navigate sometimes. And a lot of times I'll, what really helped in my perspective and so for anybody else out there in this ballpark, um, when they give me permission and they say, I want you to be direct and blunt with me because it's what I need, that for me allows me to have those tough conversations and risk getting hung up on and risk losing a client when I know that's what they really want from me. It makes it a lot easier to do that because I don't feel like I'm being a jerk. I feel like I'm doing exactly what they're wanting me to do in that situation. Right. So anybody else out there that uh, that's a coach or anything, I think that's a you know important point to have. 
Yeah, no, hundred percent, man. And another, another comment you made again, which could be easily, I think overlooked is, is to have patience, right? So don't yeah. expect people to come in and don't expect them to be exactly where you need them to be. That needs to be part of your onboarding yeah. process. The 69 days. Hey, if you come in and it takes you six hours, you know, I'm a big believer in hiring for the person, not the skill set. So if 100%. you come in and you, you haven't painted for a decade, um, but you're the right person, you're hungry to learn, yeah. we, you're ethical, you know, you match up with our core values. Then if yep. it takes you six hours, 50% longer to paint that bedroom, fine. Because I hired you, because you're a fast learner, you're hungry, you want to yeah. grow, you know, in 60, 90 days, you need to be here. Yep. 100%, yeah. right? And setting that expectation with them is the key to that whole process. So I want to I want to touch base on the the SOP. So if someone yep. someone's listening to this and, and they're like, you know, standard operating procedure, boy, I don't even know where to start with that. Where do they start? Right. Somewhere, anywhere, yeah. <laughs> right? That's, so I mean, that's simple. great. That's a great well, advice because like, otherwise you get overwhelmed. Exactly. It right? is the we best just filmed advice. A, we just filmed a segment with something for PTA coming out later early next year about business plans, right? And it's the same thing. I mean, just start somewhere, right? Um, because business plans and SOPs are the two things that just they like, they paralyze people because of what the stereotype of them are. Like, oh, I got to create this whole 58 step thing of SOPs. Like, no, you just need to start somewhere, right? And so for me, an SOP should include everything from the moment your painters show up um, at a job site, right? They put a lawn sign out in front of the yard. They greet the customer. Um, they get there 15 minutes early. They greet the customer. Right? It should include even those things, right? And then as you're wrapping the job up, what is the closeout process, right? An hour before you're done, grab the customer, start doing the walkthrough. Um, make sure they have an invoice, whether it's from your office or, you know, whatever. And so it just needs to include everything, right? And then obviously there's the painting process, which is kind of the most important, but don't forget about the other things before and after, um, you know, but just start documenting things, right? And if you really don't know, go do a bedroom by yourself. And when you go there and you see how you start doing things, just start making notes, right? And, yeah. and all it really needs to be is a, a one page-ish document in step one through 37 or whatever, right? You should have one for walls, ones for walls and ceilings, ones for wall, ceiling and trim. Um, you know, then obviously all the exterior stuff too. So, I mean, there's going to be a handful of different SOPs. There's one SOP, right? Because the order you might do a bedroom. Uh, is going to depend on if you're doing the walls, the walls and the ceilings because of dry time and cutting in against different colors. So, uh, but just start somewhere. That's the best advice I can give. Yeah, get that get that ball rolling. And now I want to yep. I want to touch base with you on, you know, throughout throughout the last year. Obviously, it's been a crazy few years. Yep. What trends are you seeing? You know, we, we've talked about the industry on on some other podcasts. Yep. Professionalizing young talent coming in. Jason Paris is big on that. Um, yep. And what trends are you seeing with your clients? And, and how can painting company owners prepare for a potentially extended economic downturn moving forward here? Yeah, no, I think that's good. I'm going to give two quick thoughts on that. I think one, um, I think knowing that um, a lot of people are working on professionalizing their business should scare the ones that aren't. Um, and I don't want to use a scare tactic or anything crazy. It's true. But I think it's true. Industry's going to change. I'm seeing, I'm seeing a lot of, you know, there's, there's the generation of people that are retiring from there that are kind of the old school way. Um, there's a middle gap that is adapting to technology and systems and scaling and, and looking for people like you and ourselves to, to help them. Uh, and then there's a lot of young people coming in that, that have that business mind that will, I don't want to say take over the industry, but that's going to be your competition, right? Um, and so there's a lot of very sharp younger people getting into the industry. Um, and so that's one trend I see is, is that's a big one. Um, I think another thing, you know, you mentioned the, the potential economic recession, and I think it's safe to say nobody knows, are we in it yet? How bad is it? How long it's going to last? We're not going to know, probably even until we're on the other side of it. But I will say this. Um, one, now is not a great time to take on massive risk, right? Um, you know, to, to go and, and take out a huge loan for a, a building you don't really need yet and, and do all these things. Um, just to, to hope that you're going to grow your business. Um, I think now is a time to be realistic um, and to focus on being a little bit on the lean side in case things do slow down. Um, really, most of our clients, uh, and I can't speak for the industry as a whole, but most of our clients really haven't seen any impact on this yet, right? People are still out at restaurants. People are still buying stuff. Um, it's Nothing's really changing yet. Um, now, I think at some point, some things will change, and I don't know what it is, and again, to what extent and what industries are going to be most impacted by it. Uh, but I think we just need to be prepared that things could slow down, um, but also operate as if they're not, right? You know, be, be, don't live in fear, I guess is what I want to say with it. Don't live in fear, but be realistic in the situation to, to be a little more on the lean side uh, and maybe don't take on a, a huge risk with anything right now. Yeah, 
No, I, I think that makes sense. Um, don't live in fear, right? Abundance yeah. mindset, but accepting yep. the reality that we do live in uncertainty yeah. and no one, no one can predict the future. The talking right. heads right. on the news don't know if they say, if they say, hey, the world is crumbling, you know, chicken little, um, yeah. doesn't mean that they're right. Right. Exactly. Right. It's all an opinion. So, yeah, I mean, don't don't live in fear on it. But at the same time, you know, now is not the time to go, you know, quadruple your office size and quadruple your your monthly thing. Um, if uh, if you're not in a spot where you can really afford that. So, yeah. And, and you know, office office size, things like that are are overhead expenses. Right. So things. Yep. Things that are more you you can kind of vary up and down. I mean, I I'm yep. never I'm never a proponent of cutting out marketing. And one of the things uh Jason Paris has told me recently in a in a kind of funny, kind of kind of direct way, yeah. uh, which is that that we finally are relevant now because people didn't need us for the past 10 years. But when you move into yeah. an economic downturn, like you're saying, if you don't yeah. professionalize, you will be left behind. If you don't market, that kind of receiving work is not going to go to you. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Because then you're, you know, I always say the the worst business decisions get made out of time to desperation. Yeah. And I think that it's, it's typically when you're within two weeks of running out of work or a week of running out of work and you're just trying to get jobs to stay busy and you're cutting costs, um, you're doing different things, you know, like it, that's when you're making bad business decisions because then you lower your prices 20% just to get a job on the schedule. If you do that one time because you had a random cancellation, cool. If yeah. that's like your new norm, because you don't have enough leads coming in to sell with the quality and the level you want, right? Like that's typically when I see people reducing their prices because they don't have enough leads coming in to have that abundance mentality. They're just happy to get three phone calls a week and they're trying to sell all three of them at whatever price they can to stay moving, right? Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I agree. I think, I mean, marketing is a huge piece of that as we're moving you know, forward with some of this. Um, it's making sure you've got a steady flow of leads, right? You know, we... When I mentioned earlier about, you know, kind of our, our synergies and working together, you know, we preach a lot about the organic marketing, the relationship marketing. What are the things you do internally with your previous happy, satisfied client referrals. to garner more referrals, repeat business, that sort of stuff, right? Um, and so I love that, you know, that only pro will propel you so far in your business. And then you need a professional like yourself to really continue to run the ball forward. But the whole goal of what we do with that and the whole goal of what you do with them is we want to build a steady pipeline of leads, right? You know, I didn't market at all the last two years I had elite painting because we had enough organic stuff coming in that we'd have 15 to 20 leads coming in every month and we were selling enough work to, you know, get through at the time and stuff. So, um, it really is about building that pipeline of leads and having that system in place, whether it's, you know, with what you guys do on the online presence, whether it's, you know, relationship marketing, I think a good hybrid of having both is important, right? You don't want to go all one or all the other. Um, I think, you know, having the stuff in place with what you can do to help people and, and the systems in place internally to garner those referrals from repeat customers. Um, I think it's, that's a happy balance that will really get people pretty far, especially if, if things do slow down in the economy. Yeah. And I think it's important to note. So referrals, repeat business, right? You, yep. you have these past customers and you reach out to them to either repeat or referral. Those are your best, your best leads ever. Those are the leads 100%. that you should be closing, you know, assuming you run a good company, you should be yep. closing for high profit margins. You should be closing yep. consistently. Uh, you should never stop doing that. Where we right. really specialize is when, when, if you want to grow, if you don't want to take 20 years to get to the size of some of these painting companies, then you have to get what's called a cold audience. You have to get people that are not a direct referral uh, or I've not already worked with you, you need to get them to know I can trust you and book with you um, for high yeah. profit margins. So that's, those are kind of the two different um, yeah. types of marketing, but you should, you should always be doing both. I want to yes. dive Chris kind of into what you do. So, yeah. so you've, you're obviously have incredible industry expertise. You have a lot of experience uh, and you've thrown out some, some impressive statistics of what these college kids with no experience were able to do, you know, with the right yeah. system. So how did you roll that into Elite business advisors, what do you guys offer? Yeah. You for? yeah, no, absolutely. So um, our, our main target audience is, you know, we really focus on helping people that are less than like 1.5 um, yeah. get up to, you know, under 1.5 million annual yeah. revenue. Okay. Yep, and annual revenue. Yep. So that's, that, like, that's our specialty, right? And, and so we're kind of building out, um, you know, we've been building out our team of advisors here the last six months. We're putting people in place to kind of help take beyond that in the, in the near future. Yeah. Um, but right now, I mean, if you're, you know, solo operator, one, two, three, four employees, you know, seven to 10 employees, right? It's, it's getting over that hump of a million, right? And getting beyond that to start treating your business like a business, right? So whether you're brand new to the industry or very small, 
we're here to help you, um, you know, all the way up to somebody that's been in business for 20 years that has four to six employees that's just ready for, you know, again, that change, right? To treat their business really like a business more than just a job. So, I mean, that's kind of the, the target people we're looking for. Um, again, not to say we can't work with larger companies. We don't have, we have people in place that can do that, right? Um, one of our advisors, they built a $5 million painting company um, up in the Northeast, right? So they've got some proof of concept on how to take a business to that next step. So we're kind of building out that next phase. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, we really took kind of the the, the system thinking behind what we did with with uh, student painters and kind of were able to put that in place with our with our clients, right? So we've got uh, a program called the Elite Business Academy um, that is kind of the jumpstart program that people go through here with our business, right? Um, and something we just recently, you know, revamped and relaunched. Uh, and so, you know, with that, you get all the resources we have. Um, Google Sheets, all the documents you really need to run your business, right? Templates for job descriptions, um, the apprenticeship path you can lay out again for that onboarding process and the training systems, like all the resources come with it. Um, we have a whole checklist of things that we go through to make sure that you kind of have your business professionalized, if you will, right? So we've got a whole section on business planning, like what is your three-year plan? What's your one-year plan? Um, do you have core values? Do you have a mission statement, right? Um, all the way through the financials, making sure your job costing, making sure you're looking at your monthly cash flow. Um, you know, if you have debt, how can we kind of get that paid off over time and systems in place? So we have a whole checklist in every area of your business, right? Recruiting, marketing, um, SOPs, production. You know, we have a whole checklist that we want our clients to run through over those at least first. It's kind of set up to be a six to nine month program. Uh, some people may take a year to do it. Some people may knock it out in four to six months. Uh, but we kind of want to run through that whole checklist. And that's really when people kind of go through that, we call them, you know, graduates of the Elite Business Academy. Uh, and, and really just that shows that they've got all the pieces in place. That they're treating their business like a professional company, um, right? We continue to advise with them afterwards. Um, all of our clients, we do, you know, typically twice a month meetings uh, with us. They also get access to a once a month mastermind group with other business owners, similar size and mindset. Um, so that's all part of the package with them. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, that's, again, we do the one-on-one -on -one advising. We've got the peer-to-peer -peer group uh, facilitation that we do with them, a lot of the resources and just kind of, you know, redone our systems and structure to make sure we're helping them, right? And like so once we get through that initial, you know, kind of launch pad phase, then, then we kind of continue working with them on a monthly basis just to, to take it to the next step, right? There's always things to change and improve on, so. Yeah, so you guys, it's almost like this uh, accelerator program of yeah. sorts where you're going to get everything dialed yeah. in. And then yep. as they as they kind of graduate out of that, which typically yep. will take between six to nine months, you're yep. gonna you're gonna work one on one with them to make sure everything's crafted personally for their business. Yep, exactly. exactly. Is there a minimum revenue threshold they should be at before? No, nope. nope, not really. Um, we we have a couple clients that are you know brand new or you know solo operator, kind of restarting their business over to start growing with employees. They just want to do it. Uh, is they've said in their words the right way this time. I know, right? I'm like, hey, they've said we'll it. Do it the right way. I don't feel bad saying that again. I'm not not using names, but um, so no. I mean, we have people that you know all the way down there, right? And again, we we try to customize our plans. We have a pretty set structure and fee for for the academy and everything that we run our clients through. Um, but we try to work with them, right? I mean, some we do have a couple of clients that just meet with us once a month. Um, you know, so then obviously they pay half the cost of what the twice a month, you know, main plan is, um, just because they might be smaller. And so for them, it might actually take them 12 to 18 months to get there. Right. But just, yep. you know, so we try to work with their budget as much as we can. Um, because again, like I said earlier, at the end of the day, we just, we want to be able to help people. Right. So any way that we can make sure that we can add value to people and try to work with them. Right. We don't negotiate our prices necessarily, but we'll kind of negotiate how we can structure some of the things. Um, that's the biggest thing. Um, you know, and then we're continuing to add our services. Uh, here over time as we grow, like I said, we have other advisors that work with some of our clients. It's not just myself. Uh, we've got a great team of advisors. Everybody has in painting industry knowledge. Um, so either they've ran a painting company. Um, actually, all of them have ran a painting business uh, at this point that are advisors with us. Uh, so they have the industry-specific knowledge. Uh, we have a bookkeeper and payroll person on staff for any of our clients that need those services, right? Different things. So we're kind of growing our resources out there. Uh, we're never going to get into what you do. I want to make that very clear because <laughs> um, that's not our area of focus. But um, like I said, we have people in place that can kind of help facilitate people uh, in other areas aside from just the day-to-day -day advising. Yeah. I, well, I uh, appreciate that full explanation, Chris. And I want to yeah. remind all of our listeners that this is a pre-approved painting industry partner series. So I, I do not take on just anyone. Um, the, you know, we only take on the best of the best here. So 
Chris being here means that I've personally vetted him. Uh, Painter Marketing Pros has vetted him. We account for him and uh, we recommend him. Uh, without I appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely, man. Is there anything else? Appreciate you sharing all your expertise, uh, what you're seeing work and how, how painting companies can prepare. Is there anything else you want to share before we wrap this up? No, man. I think we really covered a lot of different stuff today. Um, like I said, I appreciate you guys having us. Obviously, if people have questions, like you said, get, get connected with us on the Painter uh, Marketing Mastermind Forum on Facebook. Um, you can reach out to us through our website, uh, www.elitebusinessadvising.com um, or shoot me an email, chris at elitebusinessadvising.com. I'm happy to help. We do free business analysis meetings with all of our clients, right? So if something we said in this episode, especially these last few minutes, um, hit home and you just want to chat with us. Hey, what does it look like to work with you guys to have a little bit more of a personalized conversation? Uh, we do free 30 minute, you know, analysis meetings just to kind of get to know you, get to know what your goals are, where you're at now, um, and see if it might be a good fit for both of us and, and let you make that decision. So, um, so no, I, like I said, I really appreciate you, you know, having me on. Always happy to get on and share again. I love, love working with you, love working alongside you with the PCA and everything. I think at the end of the day, it's, it's pretty cool. I've, I've talked to Nick Slavic about this before. Like we all have the same mission, right? We want to help painting contractors grow their business and, and be as successful as possible. And so it's really cool to kind of be, you know, in that same mentality with you and, you know, we do different things for them, but at the end of the day, that's our goal. Right. So I, I really do appreciate people like yourself uh, and others in the industry that are, that are on that same mission. Oh, appreciate that, Chris. You have to reach out to him. Uh, worst case scenario, you learn more about your business and kind of what direction yep. you need to go. And I can tell you, there's not going to be a hard sell um, nope. from Chris and his team. So don't, don't hesitate there. And you can always um, tag him in the, yep. in the Facebook group as well. And, and he'll answer in there. Absolutely. All right, Chris, appreciate your time, brother. Thank you for this. Thanks for having me, Brady. I appreciate it, man. Look forward to having you on our podcast soon. I'm excited, brother. Thanks, man. See ya. If you want to learn more about the topics we discussed in this podcast and how you can use them to grow your painting business, visit paintermarketingpros.com forward slash podcast for free training, as well as the ability to schedule a personalized strategy session for your painting company. Again, that URL is paintermarketingpros.com forward slash podcast. Hey there, painting company owners. If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure you go ahead and hit that subscribe button. Give us your feedback. Let us know how we did. And also, if you're interested in taking your painting business to the next level, make sure you visit the Painter Marketing Pros website at paintermarketingpros.com to learn more about our services. You can also reach out to me directly by emailing me at brandon at paintermarketingpros.com and I can give you personalized advice on growing your painting business. Until next time, keep growing. Paynet podcasts are produced by the Painting Contractors Association and are made possible by members and industry partners. To find out more about upcoming education opportunities or for more information about joining PCA, visit PCAPainted.org.